We're going to talk about identity. We're, talk, we're looking at our foundations at the moment through the book of Ephesians. We started a couple of weeks ago with in Christ, a phrase that Paul uses throughout the book of Ephesians, which is shorthand for saying you're a Christian. Uh, you're a follower of Jesus. In Christ, that's the foundation of our identity, the new identity, and from that place, all kinds of other benefits of the new life that we've been given in God come to us by faith. And so last week, Simon told us about our new position in Christ and how that immediately impacts our condition so that we are made holy and blameless in his sight. I can't get my head around that. God who sees everything, who knows the end from the beginning and everything in between, looks at us and says, holy and blameless. Wow, isn't that amazing? Holy, like God, holy, blameless, just as if we'd never sinned. That's some pretty good news. And, and so this week I want to talk about adoption and what it means to be brought into the family of God, the place where God is our father, and we are his sons and daughters. It's about significance. It's about the authority that we've been given from our new position in Christ. So I just want to read to you Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. So it goes like this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Adoption. Adopted into his family. Now, I just have to say, full declaration, I have no personal experience of adoption. I know what it is to be a son, of course, but my mum and dad are actually my biological parents, which is pretty obvious when you look at them. Uh, and, and I've never adopted a child. I once rescued a puppy and that didn't go down very well so no help there either but I am learning about what it means to be adopted as a son by my heavenly father and the incredible significance of that so hopefully I've got something useful to say but I have a good friend who has a lot more experience of these things than me so Phil Wilthew Here's his picture here. This is us on a hard ministry trip uh, a while ago, fairly recently. We were really having to work at that, those ribs, those barbecue ribs. It was really hard work. Um, so this is Phil, and he knows about adoption, not because he was adopted, uh, but his little brother was. And so he gave me permission to share their family story with you. So for many years, Phil was an only child because his parents weren't able to have any more children. Uh, so it was when he was about 14 years old, his mum and dad came to him with this proposal about adopting a child, a new brother or a sister. How, how do you fancy that? And so they all came together as a family. And 
Phil had this amazing privilege to be part of the decision. And for months they prayed to God and, and said, which of these hundreds of children that are up for adoption should we consider? They poured over pictures and turned pages in directories. They reviewed many heartbreaking stories that there were. And finally, they all agreed on one little boy. They made all the necessary arrangements to adopt him. And Phil says he still remembers the day that they went together as a family to collect this little boy and bring him home and welcome him into their family. Wow. And I was so struck by the poignancy of this picture of a father, a mother, and the son <laughs> sitting down to choose a child for adoption. A child who, just like us, hadn't done anything to merit their choice. He didn't even know that they were thinking about him or planning to adopt him as their son. And this little boy, he was so damaged. He was, he was broken. He had incredible needs because of the neglect and abuse that he'd suffered in his short life. And in the years to come, this child will cause them so much heartache and pain, made harder by the fact that he was completely unable to understand or receive the love of this new family. But the adoption was real. You know, from the moment those papers were signed, he was legally signed over to them and welcomed into their home. He was part of their family, and for the rest of his life, things would never be the same again because he was a wealth you then with a completely new identity to come to terms with. That's adoption. That's adoption. And the parallels are there for us to see, aren't they? The, the huge cost and sacrifice that's involved. Our own brokenness and the damage that we come with. The, the, the parallels in this picture were just, they really struck me. You know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit <laughs> choosing us, as Paul says, before the foundation of the world, before the creation of the world there in verse 4. And just like Phil's brother, from the moment of our adoption, as we're brought into the family of God, we get a new inheritance. We get a new royal surname. We get a, a new future. We have new potential as adopted sons and daughters of the king, of all kings. He's in charge. And he's our father. It's all completely legal too. It's not just some kind of made-up idea, some kind of philosophical idea. Paul's really careful to tell us uh, using the Greek technical term for adoption. And it's all about full legal standing of an adopted male heir in Roman culture. And don't be put off by the male heir bit. That's actually because... In God's adoption, whether we're male or female, we all inherit the same legal rights. Roman natural-born male heirs. A bit strange for us. But that's all about rulership and authority. Do you have any idea 
the authority that you have as a son of God. And so adoption is God's way of conferring on us our standing, our status, rank, privilege, and position as God's offspring, natural-born sons. And it's called, this is called the doctrine of sonship. So you notice we're not called children of God at the, in this context. The word that's used here is for adult sons. And that's because children didn't have any rights under Roman law. It didn't matter who they were, what kind of family they came from, until they came of age, they had no say in anything. They had no authority in the house. Children, as Paul says in Galatians 4.1, had a standing in society that was no different to that of slaves. And God didn't choose us to be slaves. Please feel free at any point to get excited. You know. um, this is really good news. This is the gospel that we're doing today. God didn't choose us to be slaves, but as sons. And he raised our status to that of legal heirs. It was never about being infants in the kingdom. We're raised as powerful sons and daughters who exercise authority in his name. From the least to the greatest, the authority that's been conferred upon us to act in, our in his name means that we're adopted to reign with him, to see in a place of incredible significance in the heavenly realms. Do you know the status that we've been given in God's family? And I just felt as I was, as I was, thinking about all this all over again, because we've talked about these kind of things before, but I just felt like we needed to make a declaration together about this. Because we are God's sons and daughters. That means we're no longer children of the devil. Because you know that's the only other alternative. Jesus makes that incredibly clear. There is no middle ground. There's no shades of grey. You're either in or you're out. It's light or it's dark. Father the devil or God is your father. So I just want us to pause for a moment and let that sink in. Then I want us to stand and I want us to make a declaration together. And this is going to be a brave declaration. So if you're able to stand, just stand with me for a moment. It's going to come up on the screen. And I just want to read this. I want us to read this together courageously and powerfully just stop for a moment before we read this. Just shut your eyes and say, I am a son of God. I have authority. Holy Spirit, come and fill each one of us right now. Thank you, Jesus. Right, let's read this together. Or you can keep your eyes closed if you like and read it after me. That's absolutely fine. But I am an adopted son or daughter of the king. I have royal blood in my veins. I belong to God. And I exercise authority in his name. And so I renounce Satan and all his works because I've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's Son. I am part of the body of Christ, a member of God's household, the family of God. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The enemy doesn't have any rights over you if you're a child of God. Please do take a seat. He doesn't have rights to oppress you, to intimidate you, to frighten you. You can say over your household, where you live, you can say in your workplace or in your life situation, we can say together as a church, Satan, get out of our way. We are children of the king. We have royal authority. We speak to mountains and we tell them to come down. We speak to the ground and we say, come up. Speak to narrow ways and say, broaden out because we need to get through here. Because it's about having authority in his name. So I want you to take that declaration away and marinate on it this week and just think that through. Because I, you know, we've, I don't know how many times we've talked about identity and people say, oh, we're doing identity again. Yeah, because we still haven't got it. We still haven't got it. There's still so much to grasp and to affect the way that we live together as church. Do you know the authority that you have to exercise in his name? You don't need to be afraid of the devil. You don't need to come under the spirit of the world or lower yourself from your high position in Christ and give in to sin because you're an adopted son or daughter. Amen? I mean, this is completely staggering, isn't it? I think this is really good news, um, but it's really hard to get your head around. And it needs constant application in our lives day to day. Hard to get our hands. And also, I'm going to say this, it's completely unnecessary. I mean, why? Why did God need to go so far, why was adoption even necessary? Wasn't it enough just to deal with our sin? You know, that's quite often what we talk about. Lord, I need you to forgive me. Wasn't it enough just for him to save us, to cleanse us and set us free? That would have been enough. Why adopt us? Couldn't we have just been grateful servants or slaves to do his bidding? Honestly, we're not worthy of any more than that. Surely he would be better off with our obedience as slaves than the disgrace of sons. Think about that. You know, when, when people fall, when leaders fall, it's a son of God. And that's why it has such impact. If he was just a slave, it would be a completely different mindset. They bring, we bring the family name into disrepute. Why take that risk? I mean, isn't it enough to put a beggar back on their feet? <laughs> put food in his belly and a roof over his head. Surely we deserve even less than this. If you really know the extent of your sin, you know that that's true. We'd be grateful for this, just to be saved from our sin, to have a clear conscience, a guaranteed place in heaven. Why was it necessary to bring us into the house and make us a part of God's royal family? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> because in our adoption is the revelation of who he is to us and who we are that we are made part of a family, not a company where we get to work for him, not a charity where we get to volunteer for him, or even a restaurant 
where we get to wait on an important guest, but a family where God is our father and we are his sons and daughters and we get to call the God of this universe, Papa, Daddy, Father, and know him like that, to know him as our affectionate, loving father. I mean, do you know him like that? Do you know him like that? We were talking about leaning back into his loving arms. How did you feel when we were singing that? I can't relate to that. Oh, yeah, I'm absolutely up for that. I don't want to do the next part. The revelation of God as Father. God wants us in his family. He wants to father us. That was the original plan. He was never just the creator who made us in a hasty one-night stand. He was never just the provider who did the bare minimum, but at least he looked after our needs. He was never even just the saviour who came to take away our sin and give us a free pass into eternity. No, he came to make a family where omnipotent God of the universe is our Father in heaven. That's why Jesus, when he comes, he he tells us how to address him when we pray. He said, call him Father, because that's the name he wants to be known by since the beginning of time. Actually, Jesus goes further. He says, call him Daddy, Abba, Father. It's a term of great intimacy, like, like Papa or Daddy, like little children use. But it's also a term of great respect. In some cultures, even today, father is a title as well as a name. And the spirit witnesses to this truth. That's what Paul tells us. He says he cries out within us, saying, Abba, Father. So Romans 8 says, the spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves. Just reminding you, I've said that already. So that you'd need to live in fear again. Amen. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the unique revelation of adoption, then, is in God's fatherhood, that we know him as our dad. Which is presumably why Paul starts his outpouring of praise in verse 3 with these words, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It defines the nature of his relationship to us, because... Well, God is highly relational. Did you know that? He wants to know, he wants us to know him in relationship, in a relationship that's not based on the fear of slaves or the distance of servants or even workers, but as our father. Oh my goodness, I hope you're getting this. As our father. Now, of course, we all have our own experiences of what a father is like. Some of those experiences are good and some are not so good. But what is our heavenly father like? Well, if you want to know the father, take a look at his son. <laughs> because the father is revealed through the son, God's son, because only a son can truly represent the father. 
See, Jesus didn't come just to deal with our sin. He came to show us what the Father was like, what he was really like. That Jesus is the re exact representation of his Father, Hebrews 1.3. He's the image of the invisible God, Colossians 1.15. Jesus even told his disciples, anyone who's seen the Father, has seen me, has seen the Father, John 14.9. There is no difference. So if you want to see what the Father in heaven is like, Jesus says, look at me. If you want to know what he does, watch me. If you want to hear what the Father sounds like, listen to me. Jesus says, I and my Father are one, John 10.30. I am in the Father and he is in me, John 14.10. Everything Jesus did was an exact representation of God the Father. He was showing us what the Father was like and how we were designed to relate to him. He showed us that God isn't distant or uncaring. He's not hard and unfeeling. He's not remote from our suffering. He's never too busy for us. He's never too busy. He doesn't mind if you bother him. He wants you to. Tell him about your needs. Tell him about your worries. Tell him about your dreams. Jesus is the revelation of what God the Father is like. The Father is just like Jesus. What's Jesus like? He's loving. He's patient. He's merciful. He's kind. He's full of grace. He heals. He forgives. He never gives up. Actually, and if you watch Jesus, you find out that he likes the presence of sinners more than religious people. How about that? Does he like your presence? Do you like hanging out with him? And I don't know what your view of God the Father has been up until this point, but is it like this? Is he like Jesus? Do you know him like that as your father? He's my dad. Well, one of the ways you can know this is to think about how you address him. You know, when you pray. Think about it. When, what, what is the name you instinctively use for God when you turn your heart to him? And you just let your spirit kind of go up to him in the day. What's the word that comes to mind? Because, you know, sometimes it's Lord. Lord. Sometimes it's Lord. Sometimes we say Jesus or Holy Spirit. None of these things are wrong, but what is the name that comes up like a groan when you cry out to him? So I went through a crisis as a teenager to such an extent I decided that the only way of resolving it was to fast and pray until I really knew that I was born again and I belonged to God. That's how dramatic it was. For a teenage boy to fast is a big deal. But I set myself out for I'm going to do this. I ignored the smell of bacon downstairs. And I missed breakfast. 
just pray and I said, Lord, I need to know. I need to really know this. I got to coffee time. My stomach was crying out. Got to lunchtime. By this time, I'm getting desperate and banging the floor, saying, God, won't you speak to me? Show me. I need to know this once and for all. Am I really born again? Are you really for me? Have you really dealt with my sin? I'm just having this crisis moment. I don't know if you've ever had one of those. We thought, have I just made it all up? Is this real? After lunch, I decided to take a little break. I was just crying out to God. I was just almost unconsciously, and uh, I was saying, oh, Lord, oh, Father. Oh, Father. And then, quick as a flash, why are you calling me Father? Because I'm your son. That was the answer. I celebrated with the bacon Sunday. <laughs> but Paul says that the Spirit cries out for within us. Abba. Father. Is that your experience? When you're a son. When you're a daughter of the King. What an amazing privilege. And if you're not, if that isn't your experience, you can be. You can switch from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light by just saying, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. It's that simple. But what I've found is that people rarely have a problem with praying to the Lord, addressing him as God, or even praying to Jesus but many have stalled over calling him Father. There's a challenge, isn't there, to calling God Father. And it's because Father can have all kinds of connotations for, for people, memories that stick, experiences that don't match up, actually, to the idea of a loving God that we call Father. We had a lady in the church here once who would only pray to God and Jesus because the idea of dressing God as father was just too painful for her. She needed a lot of healing before she was finally able to forgive her earthly father and finally embrace God as her father. Liberation. That's liberation. That's freedom of the sons of God, to call God father. Now, I don't know if this is something you relate to, but just let me say this. Your heavenly father is nothing at all like your earthly father. He's not distant. He's not harsh. He's not judgmental. He's not unreliable. He's not abusive. He's nothing like any of those things your earthly father had no right or business to be. Your heavenly father, your heavenly father is the father that you always wanted. <laughs> Did you ever have that experience? Growing? I wish my dad was more like their dad. Sorry, dad. <laughs> I wish my dad was cool, you know. I wish he had a bigger car. 
But he is the father that you always wanted. He's the father that you always wished your dad had been. He's the only perfect father. He's even the best of he is even the best of our earth of what our earthly dads could ever hope to be. I want to be a good dad, but I mess up. But he is better than me. <laughs> Direct your children to the Father in heaven. He never lets them down. He's the Father who gives us our identity. He raises us as royal sons and daughters. And he's our Father. He's my Father. That means that I'm no longer fatherless. We are no longer fatherless. We're no longer abandoned. If that's been your experience, you're no longer rejected. He never rejects anyone who comes to him. Jesus told us that. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves you. He loves me. Say that to yourself. Marinate that into yourself. He loves me. My Father loves me. My Father in heaven, he loves me unreservedly. I'm a spoiled child, you know, because I'm his favorite. But that's what it's like when you know the love of the Father. You feel like you're his favorite. Any favorites here? There's one or two. Rosie, you definitely are, yeah. Wow. He loves you in just the way you always knew it was your right to be loved. I just want to say, if you haven't felt the love of an earthly father, I'm really genuinely sorry about that. and It should never have happened to you. I'm really sorry that that's been... I'm saying that as a dad. should never have happened. should never have treated you that way. I'm sorry about that. Your heavenly father is nothing like that. Because, you see, I believe that God wants to reveal his, his heart and love to some people today. That unconditional father love. The love of the father who's adopted you into this family. A father whose legacy for you is only good. What you inherit from him is only good. And for some of you, it's just to be reminded of this. You know? Oh my goodness, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, you did. You know you did because you've not been living like you're celebrating the love of the father. You haven't been living in the, in the constancy of that revelation. Yeah, you did. You needed reminding. I needed reminding. The truth of this new reality that in Christ you are adopted, that you belong to him. You've got authority in his name. Some of you needed to be reminded of that because you've been putting up with so much flack, so much aggro, so much temptation, so much, you know the stuff. Satan, in Jesus' name, get out of my head, get out of my airspace, get out of my family, get out of my home, get out of my workplace, get out of my finances, get out, get out. I take authority. Lift your head up, tell him to move. You need to exercise your authority. Some of you need to do that today. Oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Well, 
You don't know who you are. I often say, get out of my way and stop polluting my atmosphere. Because I want to live in the atmosphere of heaven. The air is so much better there when you go high. It's not polluted. Amen? I don't know. Should I get you to practice that? Why don't you just take a bit of authority right now? Whatever's going on in your life. Just stand, let's just stand together. and Let's make a rabble rouse. Say, Satan, get out of my life right now. In Jesus' name, I take authority over you. Get out of my workplace right now in Jesus' name. Satan, get out of my head right now in Jesus' name. Command you to leave me, leave my presence right now in Jesus' name. Get out of my finances right now. Stop stealing my money. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over you. In Jesus' name. You carry on. I'm just speaking so you can speak and nobody can hear you. You just carry on. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have authority in your name. We are sons of God. Thank you, Lord. Get out of this church. Any messing around you're doing in our church, in Jesus' name, get out of the way. Any, any limits you're placing on us, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Do you know, even leaders struggle with this stuff. I just want to say to you, I've met with a leader a little while ago. He's been a pastor for, I don't know, 20, 30 years, and he was describing a whole series of things that were going on. I said, that's demonic oppression. You need to rebuke that. He said, I don't know how to. I said, oh, my goodness. 30 years in leadership. Take authority. In the name of Jesus, stop it. If the child was being naughty, you'd know what to do. If the flies were eating your food, you'd know what to do. That's the same thing. In Jesus' name, stop it. Amen? Just be full of the Holy Spirit right now. Just be full of his presence. Be full of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Whoa! That's good, isn't it? Clear the airwaves. Thank you, Jesus. I just rebuke the spirit of confusion that's come on a few of you. That's demonic as well. I've just been confused about things. I haven't been able to make decisions. Anybody? Break that in Jesus' name and set you free. Get out of my head. Get out of my thinking. Thank you, Lord. I have the mind of Christ. I think his thoughts. I have creative thoughts in Jesus' name. Father God. Amen. Just take a seat for a couple minutes and I'll get you to stand up. It's just like the Church of England today. I'm going to get you to stand up, sit down. Now we're just going to come in for a landing. Um, fasten your seatbelts. Because, you know, for some other people here, it isn't reminding. It's actually this is new or this is really difficult stuff we've been talking about today. And, and it may have raised some issues for you. And, and I just want to. You know, sometimes I think we've been guilty in the charismatic world of waving a magic wand and it all goes away sometimes. And what I've been learning is, do you know, sometimes in healing we need time to process stuff. We need time to work things through. Sometimes we even need some professional counseling to help us to work through. So forgive us if we've ever kind of tried to wave a magic wand and say, there, it's fixed. 
Sometimes we do need to process some stuff. In Jesus' name, that's okay. But I want to just invite you to take the first step in healing today. If that applies to you, and we're going to all do it together so nobody feels exposed. So you're all going to pray this because we're family, and if one hurts, we all hurt. Okay? So we're all going to do this together, but I've got a prayer that we're going to repeat after me. And it, it means the first step in healing is renouncing some lies that you may have believed about God. And I've got a whole load of things that you can renounce here. Oh, I did have. I left it. Sorry. I'll send it to you. <laughs> um, we'll send it out to the whole church. Um, because there are lies that we believe because of our bad experiences. And we apply what we've experienced in life to God. So there's some lies. And this, just this step can open a door for the Holy Spirit to work in your life. I am a work in progress. Anybody else? Do you know, I find God is continually challenging me, dealing with stuff in my life. All the time, he's always going on about stuff he wants to deal with. We are works in progress, but we can take the first step today. So I'm not trying to promote a quick fix, and I get the fact that some of you are going to need some time to think it through or pray it over, talk it through with somebody that you trust. But let's just pray this prayer together. I always get people to stand when we pray. I don't know why, but you can see it if you want. Um, but I'm just going to read this prayer and then do it a line at a time and you can repeat it. I haven't put it on the screen because I want you to close your eyes and just engage, all right? So do you want to stand or sit or lie or whatever? We're all going to do it together and even if you don't feel this applies to you, for the sake of the whole body, we're going to cover one another as we pray this. Heavenly Father, I've not always seen you as I should. I've seen you as distant from me, even harsh or uncaring. I now see that this isn't true and I choose to change my thinking. I acknowledge that my thinking has been damaged by my experiences which I want to bring you today. <laughs> I want to bring to the cross all my pain and ask you to heal the wounds in my heart. I thank you that through Jesus Christ, I'm no longer an orphan, but a child of God. I repent of any thinking that's contrary to this. I joyfully receive the new identity that I have as your son or daughter. I choose to forgive my earthly father and those that have been like fathers to me. 
Holy Spirit, search my heart, reveal any areas of unforgiveness. Father, I know that I'm your delightful work in progress. But I take this step of faith and position myself now to receive the full extent of the revelation of the Father's love. Just put your hand on your heart right now. We're just going to finish with this. Holy Spirit, will you just come? And you know, Lord, those that have prayed this in faith and with courage today, we applaud them. Now, Lord, will you come and fill each one of us with your presence? with the spirit of love. Lord, release the revelation of the Father's love to each one. In Jesus' name. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. It's all about you, Lord. It's all for you. Thank you, Father God. We worship you. Thank you for fathering us. Thank you for revealing yourself. You could have revealed yourself in all kinds of ways. You could have frightened us into worshipping you. You're so powerful. You could have awestruck us into worship. You're so amazing. But Lord, you chose to reveal yourself by your love as a father who sent his son. Thank you.